Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, January 12th. Coming up, the story behind one of Kansas City's most recent homicides. She would still be alive if they would have put her like they promised, like they were going to look for housing for her, somewhere that she could take the kids in, transitional housing. There were so many different options at first, and then it, nobody called. One family says the foster care system may have played a role in the death of their loved one. Plus, the aquifer that makes life possible in dry western Kansas is reaching a critical point. Several counties have already lost more than half of their underground water. That day's coming. It's happened to a lot of people already. It will happen to everybody eventually. We'll hear about a new plan to save what's left in the dwindling aquifer before it's too late. But first, some headlines. A Christian reform school in rural Cedar County, Missouri, is shutting down after facing years of abuse allegations, lawsuits, and government investigations. Former Director Brian Clemenson announced in a statement Agape Boarding School will close January 20th because of financial pressures and not because of any accusations or investigations. 21-year-old Josh Bradney is among the people suing the school over alleged abuse. It's just a huge blessing that finally... A lot of people's healing process can start. Agape opened in Missouri in 1996. The Missouri Independent reports that as of last month, there were only 25 students at the school. Former students had long urged the government to shut the school down. Officials say water quality is improving downstream of the Keystone oil spill area in North Kansas. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. When the pipeline burst last month in Washington County, emergency crews built dams to contain the oil. But those dams couldn't fully stop the flowing stream. The state found benzene and other chemicals farther downstream in Mill Creek and the Little Blue River. Last week, oil company TC Energy diverted the creek to temporarily bypass about four miles of it that need intensive cleanup and to isolate this area. Now, state officials say chemical levels downstream are improving, but people and livestock should still stay out out of Mill Creek, downstream of the oil spill. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. A near-record 169 people were killed in Kansas City, Missouri last year, according to the police department. KCUR's Laura Ziegler has the story of one family wondering whether holes in the foster care system played a part in their loss. 22-year-old Shayla Kurtz had been getting her life back on track. She'd been working fast food jobs and making calls daily to find affordable housing. She was determined to get her kids, four-year-old Mars and one-year-old Winter, out of foster care and make a home for her growing family. She was 31 weeks pregnant with another baby girl. 
She was one of the last people murdered in Kansas City in 2022. I mean, he killed her for no reason. There's no reason. A few days after her shooting, Desiree Kurtz, Shayla's mother, sank into her living room sofa in her apartment north of the river, her eyes tired and swollen from crying. Her twin sister, Darcy Kurtz, nestled beside her, helping to explain why it all seemed so senseless. It's not even like they were fighting and she had yeah, one. there was no altercation that night. The, the detectives told me that there was absolutely no altercation at all that night. She just she, left the room. She just she left the room, and it. he got so upset that he said he decided to pull out the gun and shoot he her. Snapped. On the night of December 6, 33-year-old Emmett Williams was hanging out with Kurtz and two friends in a house near 49th and Bellefontaine Avenue, according to court documents. Kurt left the room to go downstairs. Williams followed her. A few minutes later, witnesses told police they heard a gunshot. Police found Kurtz dead at the scene. Williams called 911 around 4 o'clock the next morning and confessed to the shooting. He told the cops that Kurtz was, quote, always antagonizing him and calling him names. He said the recent loss of family members, his own drug use and mental health issues caused him to, quote, snap. Now Shayla's mom is grieving not only the loss of her daughter, but her best friend. I've had, I had Shayla when I was 15, so she's been with me. Like She, she grew up with, she grew up she, with her. We've been through everything together. Searing grief like this is familiar to families across the metro as Kansas City continues to see some of the highest homicide rates in the country. Arguments cause some of those killings, retaliation, others, some just random bad luck. But Shayla's family believes her murder might be different. She would still be alive if they would have put her like they promised, like they were going to look for housing for her or shelter Mm -hmm. somewhere that she could take the kids in. Shayla had been living in a domestic violence shelter last year after giving birth to her second child. Without a secure housing option when she left that shelter, officials with the Jackson County Children's Division placed her children in foster care. Caseworkers are supposed to help foster families find housing to speed up the process of reuniting children with their parents. Desiree Kurt said that didn't happen in Shayla's case. Nobody called. Nobody reached She's out. Stuck. The lack of communication between foster families and caseworkers is a critical problem in Missouri. There are not enough social workers in the state, and the ones on the job have unmanageable caseloads. Shayla Kurtz and I talked about this when I was reporting on the issue in August. She said she'd had half a dozen different caseworkers, had gone months without seeing her kids, but was doing everything the court ordered her to do. Like, I've been on it. I've done it. So to not be able to even get a hold of the main person working my case, you think that, like, you can do, like, everything you need to do and things will fall into place. Well, not if other people aren't doing what they need to do. Kurt's family court attorney, Lori Snell, says many of her clients are facing similar frustration. Maybe this case, she said, will be a wake-up call for state lawmakers to better fund children's services and for child welfare officials to see how a lack of contact puts their clients at risk. She just needed a place to be with her kids. We should be able to provide those for mothers that have a need for that. She might not have ended up where she was where she got shot and killed. Kurt's family held a private ceremony in December where Shayla laid in her coffin swaddling her 31-week-old baby. Emmett Williams has been charged with second-degree murder and armed criminal action. The Jackson County prosecutor is waiting on results of an autopsy of the baby to see if charges will change. The family plans a celebration of Shayla's life on January 28. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Laura Ziegler.
The underground water in the Ogallala Aquifer makes life possible on the high plains of Kansas. But after decades of large-scale crop irrigation, it's drying up quickly. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports on a plan to try to preserve what's left. Fly west over Kansas and you'll see the prairie transform into a patchwork of green circles. Mile after mile of geometric crop fields spun into the near-desert landscape by wells that tap water hidden beneath the dry surface. For more than six decades, one of those wells showered the grain on Travis Leonard's family farm in Haskell County. This well's been... But as drought intensified this, this fall, the well began pumping up sand instead of clear water, and he shut it down for the last time. This was his final hurrah. His farm used to have 16 wells like this one. It's now down to three. In a decade or two, he predicts this part of southwest Kansas won't have any irrigation wells left. That day's coming. It's happened to a lot of people already. It will happen to everybody eventually. The region's main water source, the Ogallala Aquifer, is being sucked dry, one irrigation sprayer at a time. And farmers and state leaders can't agree on how to save the future of life in western Kansas without choking the livelihoods of the people who live here. 75 miles north of Leonard's Dry Well, dozens of farmers gather to discuss a possible answer, growing crops with less irrigation. It's the first public hearing for a local enhanced management area, or LEMA, a new plan to cut water use in four counties by 10 percent, maybe starting this year. Now, even that 10 percent cut won't be enough to stop the aquifer's decline. But Katie Durham, who leads the local groundwater district, says it's a vital first step. This is do or die. I mean, without water, these communities, this infrastructure, it wouldn't be here. The key to this Lima program is putting water conservation decisions in the hands of a local board rather than the state. That doesn't mean it's all kumbaya. One of the farmers at the hearing, Cameron Shea, says many irrigators are still wary of any water limits. It has to be done smartly. It can't just be done by a bunch of activists who come in and don't know what they're talking about and strong arm it and do radical things. Water has long been a point of contention in dry western Kansas. After all, water means money. More than 90 percent of the water used in this area goes to grow crops. But the H2O buffet is closing down, and the climate is heating up. Kansas State University researcher Vishali Sharda says if western Kansas keeps irrigating at its current pace, the science is clear about what happens next. There is no guessing. We know that the aquifer is depleting, right? It's depleting at an unsustainable pace. But remember, using that water is what built this region's multi-billion dollar economy. Take southwest Kansas. Its agriculture relies more on irrigation than anywhere else in the state. And plans to restrict pumping there haven't gotten very far. Mark Rood, who leads that region's groundwater district, says strict rules to save the aquifer don't make sense if they come at the expense of the economy. It's important that we not forget that what we're trying to preserve here is not only the community as a whole, but the business strategy, the overall viability of that community. But in places where limits have already started, the results are promising. Part of northwest Kansas reduced its irrigation by nearly one-third. And some farmers saw profits go up as they spent less to pump water and buy seed and fertilizer. And right next to where the new limits are proposed, Wichita County started cutting its irrigation two years ago. This field didn't receive any irrigation water. That's where this Brian Box sits in a combine, harvesting his last cornfield of the year. Drought left its mark here. His combine has to skim the ground to reach the rows of short corn plants out the front window. But he was still able to grow something. 
He says adjusting to a future with less water may not be painless, but it is possible. And in western Kansas, it's a matter of survival. I was a little skeptical at first on how it was going to impact our farm, but regardless of whether somebody likes it or not, we've got to do something to extend the life of this aquifer or it's not going to be there. For the Kansas News Service, I'm David Condos in Leota. The Kansas News Service, based here at KCUR, reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. You can find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read David's story on the Ogallala Aquifer and Laura's story on Shayla Kurtz, visit kcur.org, where you can find more reporting on Kansas and Missouri from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll drink coffee with the regulars at a neighborhood spot in Lee's Summit. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.